0: Hi, I'm Diane Worthington. And I'm Denise Vivaldo. And we are Women Beyond a Certain Age, and we are happy to be with you today. And we are going to talk about something that's touched Denise and I, and probably many of you that are listening, which is that we lost three legends in the culinary world in the last month. We kind of wanted to honor them and talk about our experiences, whether we knew them or not. And then, of course, share some of their phenomenal recipes. So the thing is, legend means a couple of things. A legend is the—it's a story that goes comes down from history, and it, it, they call it a legend. Or a legend also means an extremely famous or notorious person, especially in a particular field. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Denise, yeah. you can begin. All right. Well... This, I'm so grateful
1: that I got to meet and eat dinner with Leah Chase. So we're going to start with Leah. Then, Diane, you and I want to talk about Made a Heater. Yes. And then we want to talk about Molly O'Neill. Talk about three legends in the culinary community. So let me talk just about Leah. Go ahead. I have a very dear friend who is a retired sheriff from Orange County. And she had gone to New Orleans after Katrina in a relief group just to help people. Okay? Huh. She was retired and amazing. just yeah. uh, amazing and wonderful. Well, as it turned out, she ended up working with Leah, helping in Leah's restaurant that was Dookie Chase. Yes, was which is
0: famous. Leah Chase. Famous.
1: And her husband is Dookie, who was a musician for... And Dookie just passed away a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And Sue, my friend Sue, became very close to Leah. Well, of course, because Leah, you know, recognized a kind heart. And here, Sue just... They they remained very close friends up until the very end. Mm -hmm. So when I was in New Orleans with Sue one time at a conference, she said to me, I'm taking Leah for dinner. Would you like to join us? I said, oh, my God, because I had heard Leah speak at conferences. So we went to dinner and we went to Susan Spicer's Bayou. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, such a good. And of course, when. And then we went somewhere else later on for drinks, but I have to tell you, when the dining room becomes a buzz, when they know Le- the queen, right. Leah Chase, is in it, so we picked her up and we got there and she sat, we had a Salazak, Sa- am I saying that correctly? Sazerac. Sazerac. Sazerac, I always say it, I put an L in it, don't know why, and she and I just hit it off and we laughed and I told her I was a food stylist, you know, that I'd been a chef and different things. Well, this was about 4 or 5 years ago. So Leah was already 90. Okay. Wow. And, and she was totally with it. Oh, sharp as attack. Yeah. Sharp as attack. So funny. We talked and she really talked a lot about Katrina. She talked about she told little stories about how how she could never thank people like Sue enough. She talked about Emerald Lagos. Who sent a hundred chairs, just brand new chairs, on a truck one day and said, I hope these will help, to Aww. her restaurant? Aww. You know, and I don't know that people, not everyone, if you weren't in New Orleans, you don't realize the impact that Elmer Lagasse had on keeping his restaurants open when there were no cl- you know, there were no customers and people, half of his staff didn't have places to live because Katrina had oh. wiped them out and yet he kept everybody on payroll. So she was just telling these stories of community and it was heartwarming to say the least then I you know heartwarming Mm. the food was divine Susan Spicer came out of the kitchen of course to talk to us and say hello and I had met Susan again probably at WCR at a women's conference so we sat there, and I have to read this because it 's my favorite, so I told her about Kenny that my husband went to Tulane Law School and of course how much he loved New Orleans and I talked about the Magnolia Grill and mm-hmm. talked about you know uh, the things when he was when Kenny uh, was in law school and was on the Law Review. They then interned with local attorneys. Kenny had a seersucker suit Mm -hmm. that he still kept in his closet that he used to wear in New Orleans. And I'd say to him, that's so cute. It's a prop, don't you dear? Wear that out. (laughs) We're not going, don't you wear, wear that out in L.A. But he would talk about that he was, so his job when he was interning in a couple of big law firms was to deliver papers. Right. to the law firms. And it would be hot and humid oh, and sticky worst. and yeah. the worst. Before he would leave, he would call the office and they'd say, oh, the attorneys aren't here anyway. They are all..." And he, they would point him to the direction of what bar the attorneys were and having a cold one, right. and Kenny would go there. Yeah. So he has wonderful stories of New Orleans. So I talked to Leah about that. Then we exchanged books. So I gave her my party book. And this is, she gave me her the Dookie Chase cookbook. And this is what she wrote to me. To Ken, life is for living. Enjoy each day with your beautiful Barbie. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Grateful to you, Leah Chase. And so it was so darling because when I said my husband's name was Ken, she said, well, then you must be Barbie. And she was just as warm and charming and darling and funny then invited us, of course, for lunch the next day. So I get to her restaurant. There is her grandson cooking in the back, beautiful young man who oh. they had sent to the Culinary Institute of America. Uh-huh. So I went in the back and talked to him. We talked about careers and food. And her daughter is the manager, is the floor manager, and runs the place. Mm-hmm. So it's a very much a family organization. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not a, it was not unusual to end up at her restaurant day or night and find Leah in a chef's jacket Cooking. Cooking.
0: Yeah. Okay, stirring. Her love.
1: That was her love. And then she'd say, I need to sit down.
0: And I think
1: my God, I need to sit down just from watching you. Really?
0: I hope that's a good one to
1: know. So we got to have lunch. We had the fried chicken. We had her macaroni and cheese. We had all her famous they have a beautiful lunch buffet. And of course the place is packed. What part of uh, New Orleans is... Honey, I, I don't know New Orleans. Oh. I, I can tell you this. It was like a shotgun house that they would turned into a restaurant uh-huh. and added on. Uh-huh. And the day I was there for lunch, Dukey was still alive. So this must have been like in two thousand and nine. So maybe it was ten years ago. He sat right in the first chair, the first bar stool in a beautiful and like a he, you know he was a musician in a straw hat and like a kind of a Mexican Cuban shirt and mm. sat right there to greet every person that came into the restaurant. He was utterly. That's charming. what it feels
0: like when you're in the South. Yes, you know, you just greeting. You didn't
1: have to be famous. You didn't have to be anybody. They no. just treat you all the same. And the last part, around the whole restaurant are pictures, starting with going all the way back. I think Herbert Hoover, FDR, I mean, there were just pictures of every president
0: eating gumbo. Yeah. Okay. She cooked for all these presidents. All these
1: presidents. And there was a picture of um, George W. And I looked up and I said, oh, Leah, you must have stories about all these guys. And she looked up, and I said, "And George W, oh Denise, he was such a sweet boy." <laughs> <laughs> and it was the dear. It was said with love, and she yeah. was just. It was so darling. She wasn't going to say anything that wasn't yeah adorable, adorable. And of course, she talked a little bit about the history of. Dookie e. Chase, the importance, because it was a political watering hole, for lack of a better word, as I'm just thinking. But they came there, the Freedom Riders, Martin Luther King. That's
0: the thing. She was really, really su- in they made support of they were civil safe rights. there,
1: yes. okay, they were safe there, and they came and so her involvement in the civil rights movement right as being this key position uh where people could come and safely talk and you know when I had dinner with her and then got to have lunch the next day and All I kept thinking is, it's like living history, okay? I was eating with living history. Yeah. And I think the whole reason you and I talked about this, Diane, that we wanted to talk about these women is, the key to all of them, as we go down and tell our stories, is none of them ever stopped cooking, Doing what, the, loved. Doing, doing what they love doing what
0: they love
1: none of them stopped writing none of them stopped testing recipes so the you know careers longevity is one thing careers go up and down and you and i know that some yep. days you're in and some days you're out right that <laughs> sums it up and sometimes there's decades between those calls
0: <laughs> <laughs> good one denise and but, accurate yeah
1: but there was Leah acting like
0: it was her first day in the restaurant business. That's all I can say. Yeah. So I'm sorry I never got to meet her. And she
1: won of course every award that there was to yeah. win. And then we got there for lunch and if you can there was a television crew and I said to her, "Do you just walk around with a television crew, Miss Leah?" "Oh no, Denise." And she laughed. But she was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award for some, from some group that week. So they'd come to interview her, and then they decided to interview the me. The James Beard Foundation, I'm looking Probably. at. Probably. Yeah. Then they, came, they wanted to interview me as a, as, a, as a food stylist in the business, and you know, here I ended up eating at Leah's, and what did I want to say to other women about Leah Chase? And when I said to her, oh, my God, another Lifetime Achievement Award, and she looked right at me and she said, well, this one's about time.
0: Uh, right. Well, you know, so, one thing I'm reading about her, which I amazing. think is interesting, is that she fed most of the civil rights movement leaders as well as the African-American entertainers. Absolutely. Because they couldn't eat in any other New Orleans restaurant That's during exactly the Jim right. Crow years. That's exactly right. I mean, when you just think about it, you could just, and oh, you know, my God. And I didn't realize this till I was reading some of the
1: things that were written about her. Of course, also, when you look at when Dookie Chase has started – the black community didn't have restaurants they could eat in anyway. Right. I mean, they didn't financially go out to eat. Right. Exactly. So they, you know, they served in their homes. They had parties in their homes. But it, it, it's so amazing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the
0: history of the of history her life and, as well. I mean, and, and she was really famous for the g- gumbo. Oh, gumbo. Yeah. That was and her
1: thing. The, at what came out? A lot of people wrote about it. Was when President Obama. Asked for some hot sauce. Right. She slapped his hand. And she said, you don't need hot sauce in my gumbo. <laughs> you haven't even tasted it yet. And I thought, isn't that just the most perfect thing you've ever
0: heard of? Yeah. But she was... A treasure. A national a treasure, treasure. treasure. And
1: charming. And,
0: God, just amazing. And as sharp as a tack. So, and never stopped. Yeah. So it'd be fun for you just who those of you who are listening and thinking about it, just to look her up because she's got you an extraordinary life. And th- that's the thing. What do we leave in our life, you know? Thank you. And I imagine, because I don't know specifically, but I just have to imagine that she was an incredible mentor to those oh. that now, followed her.
1: When I was doing research on these three, as yeah. we talked about, Diane, all of them, the thing that kept coming through, when people wrote just like, I'd eaten in a restaurant, or I met her, or I got yeah. to call her, or she came to my culinary school. Yeah. Every one of the women we're talking about today, mentor, mentoring comes right up behind the rest of their career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. it's so extraordinary. So generous. So yes. generous. And then we had... The most incredible pastry maker, chocolate person. She was important in my culinary learning, made a heater. Yes. She wrote many, many cookbooks, uh, dessert books, basically. Chocolate, cookies, cakes, desserts. When you look at how, what she did, and she was 102 when she died a couple of weeks ago. In Florida. In Florida. Living in Miami. She, She tested her recipes. I mean, she was just a serious person doing what she loved. And she was a home cook. Right. That said, I want to write cookbooks
1: with fancy and gorgeous desserts in them because why wouldn't home cooks want to write beautiful, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a chef to make beautiful desserts at home.
0: Well, I think she was one of the first people, when I think about it, when I look at my culinary library, that really translated the pastry techniques, dessert techniques for the home cook. Yes, that's exactly uh, right. From the classic chef concept. You know, she was just a part of when I was starting my career. I never met her, and I think you did meet her. I did meet her. Yeah. Uh, We want to hear about that, Denise. Tell us how you met her. All right. Now, this is so, you know, talk about, oh, my God.
1: Mm -hmm. This is so sad and so funny and so silly. Yeah. When Wolfgang Puck had his original Spago restaurant above Sunset. On Sunset Boulevard, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right above. I had a roommate from the Culinary Academy that was my roommate. We moved to L.A. together. Her name was Catherine. We had part-time jobs. We did, you know, we were just out of school. We were trying to make, I'm telling you, a hundred bucks was a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Right. We were probably hustling for a hundred bucks. Well, for some reason, we had made friends with a woman named Melissa, who was one of the original pastry chefs at Wolfgang's Mm Pucks. Okay, before uh, Mary Bergen, before oh really? Oh, before her. This is goes a long. I'm telling you, Diana was a long time ago. Yeah. Now. Don't ask me how, but we somehow, Melissa was, got a gig, I think we were all going to make, I'm not kidding you, like $100, so we were charging $300 for a wedding cake. But, and we probably stole the ingredients right out of Wolfgang Puck's Bakery, (laughs) but I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm going to let that go. And Melissa baked the cake, and Catherine was making the frosting, because for some, and it was a big three or four tiered wedding cake, Catherine had a Hobart, probably, in her kitchen where she was working, so we, you know, I mean, this is like... The blind leading the blind, but I was going to deliver the wedding cake and decorate it to the Riviera Country Club. Oh, my God. Now, thank God the cake got there. I put it together. It was beautiful. It was delicious. I took, I got flowers from the florist, and, you know, it was very 80s. So everybody contributed, and we got it. Thank God the Riviera Country Club did not ask us for a health certificate or any insurance <laughs> because that would have just blown us right out of the water. Right. Now... So I have to bring the cake pans back to Spago and uh Melissa's not there and I'm nervous that she you know if I leave them and she doesn't know I've returned them so Wolfgang's at the bar and I had met him, and I said, Wolfgang, I'm so sorry to bother you, but Melissa's not in the back, but I have the cake pans we used. And so we I want to leave them, but I need you to know that I returned them. Oh, don't worry about it. And so then he says to me, Oh, you should meet my good friend sitting here, Mirajita. And I look, and there, I don't know who she is at this moment. At that point, Okay. Yeah. Don't know. It's probably 86, 87. I don't know who she is, but she's beautiful she's this stunning looking you know what I mean she's stunning yes she's stunning yes and uh, Wolfgang says sit down I buy you you know I buy you a drink say hello and I believe she was there writing his one of his first cookbooks okay she was being a recipe tester and helping him so she must have been out here for that reason so she's sitting at the bar he introduces me kind of dumps me on her, she graciously says, Oh, how fun. Tell me about yourself. So I said, I just moved to LA. You know, I'd been a chef. I was you know, <laughs> trying yeah. to find myself. I All have right. no job. <laughs> I'm stealing eggs and cake pans out of the kitchen <laughs> here. Please don't mention it again. And then she, and now on injury to insult, I'll take the free drink the guy's going to oh, give that me. That is funny. And she says, Oh, good. Let's order martinis. And I kind of, I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't really I don't really drink martinis." And she turned to me in the most imperial way possible and she said, "Honey, everyone drinks martinis." <laughs> and that was it. And I drank the martini and she then I finally kind of was piecing together who she was. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? You're right. And then I realized that she, and of course later on in life when I thought about it, she spawned so many people Nick Maggieri, Ma- 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 yeah. Jim Dodge. I mean, she just really, there was a yeah. following of people. What didn't yeah. she taught? So we, I probably stayed for half an hour, drank my martini, got in my car. Thank God that I just kind of coasted down the hill, down La Siena to the beach where i lived and and she kept saying to me denise you'll find what you're good at Oh, and that's um, a good thing to take a I, minute and think about. Yeah, and she kept saying, you'll... And I told her I really loved garde manger. I didn't love working on the hotline. I loved decorating platters. I, you know, I was good at decorating the wedding cake. I was good at building pretty salads. But I, I didn't really know that I was going to be a food stylist in that right. day. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was still too early. All too new. So yeah. anyway, but she kept saying, you'll find what you're good at it. And then for her to have lived to be 102 years old... I know. She had a book that came out just last April. Yeah. Diane, I haven't seen it yet. I saw it on Amazon. I have several of her books. You and I have several of the same books. But she had a beautiful book that just came out in April, which was a compilation of a whole bunch of her great recipes at 102 years
0: old. Are you kidding me? I know. We should all be so lucky. You aren't kidding. I mean, really, it's amazing. You know, this was the days when there weren't 20... Cookbooks coming out in yes. 20 minutes, so that they w- aren't really well tested and they're more about shtick than maybe about
1: the gimmick. in depth, yeah, right. gimmick.
0: And she was in her home, figuring out how to test something and make it work for you as a home cook. There is so much to be said for that because somehow it gets lost with the celebrity status of restaurant chefs. Yes, and she really is a culinary icon, as far as I'm concerned. When I was teaching cooking classes, I found a recipe that we're going to... I'm going to have Cindy put it up. Hold on. I'm just going to get it out for you. It is called... I called it Mousse on Mousse. She calls it Chocolate Mousse Torte. It's very famous, Diane. Yes. Oh, my God. It it was in uh, the New York Times' Dessert of the Year in 1972. And you got to try it, and we'll put it up. Chocolate Mousse Torte. And what it is is picture this. You make the mousse... You put it in a pie plate, half of it, and you bake it, and then it collapses yes. and gets chilled. And then you put the cold in, so it becomes a crust. And then you put the cold mousse inside. I mean, come That's on. That's genius. It was, it really was genius. You know, so,
1: when I look at a recipe, I want to say, oh, that was Patricia Wells in 1975. Or that was yes. Diane Worthington in 1984. Or that right. was Julia Child right. in 1987. Sometimes we look at recipes today, they've been around a long time. Well, that's that's also
0: part of the issue. Tweaking
1: some of it is great and improving them is great. But really, when you see original ideas. And inventive. Inventive. Exactly. Now, my favorite that I'm going to ask Cindy to put up on the Facebook page is the walnut buttermilk lemon cake.
0: Oh, I you can try make that. it
1: in a bundt cake. Yeah. Pan. And here's and this is out of her best dessert book ever, which is the one I used for me the most. The the walnut buttermilk lemon cake tastes like my grandmother's Oh, you love that. ricotta cake. So Ooh. she's using buttermilk here, but I thought to myself after I saw this and I used to make this cake. I'm going to put some ricotta in it and I bet it would taste like my Grandmothers. Grandmothers. Yeah. But this is just... It's flawless. You can flawless. read... it. It's the, flawless. And her recipes are flawless. And all of them work perfectly. And yeah. that, that and, and
0: that's the point. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, the one that... It, you know, you might even be able to find this online. Maida Heater's Book of Great Chocolate Desserts is yes. where the, the uh, mousse torte came from, the chocolate mousse torte, which I changed to mousse on mousse, but gave her total credit for it because that was her invention. And it's just... You love it when you find things like that, you I know. know? So she was a national treasure. She lived an incredible life. She truly loved what she was doing. I mean, there's a lot of that to think about. You this know? is what
1: I think women beyond a certain age.
0: Yes. As we, our priorities change. We
1: all know that. Our priorities change. It's like when we've talked about a bucket list or things that you really want to accomplish or when, if you can start working less then what do you want to spend you know I say this to Kenny all the time Mm -hmm. last 20 years last 20 years and I say that because how do I want to spend my last 20 years if you're lucky if I'm lucky and you're right Diane
0: my god we don't know anything. we don't know
1: but I don't want to spend it doing anything that I don't want to do Mm -hmm. so things like what, what we've already said: negative people or dinner dates that you don't want to do or classes you don't want to teach or people that you don't want to work with, bye-bye. You yeah. know, they just- That's all a whole have, other
0: show, darling. Yes,
1: but they all disappear. <laughs> and yet I've found now yeah. what I have, it's like Maida's book and I, I, Cindy and Diane know because i been talking about with a me working less, I am cooking more than I've cooked in 20 years. Because I'm not being the boss, I'm not having to justify the time that I, you know, or charge people. That's interesting. There's no money involved. So well, yeah, all that's of a how sudden, it was for you, right? Of exactly. Course. That's all. That's what it had to become, Diane. That's you know what, what I mean? it did
0: become. Yeah. For me, so I, now I, you're cooking I'm, more. I'm cooking, and I'm cooking a little bit less that's than okay. usual. But I'm thinking. See, so yes. I think people don't give enough credit to thinking, and. When you're thinking about how you want to experience something maybe a little bit differently, you're you're taking the time to do that. In your case, you're saying, I'm doing this out of total pure enjoyment. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the I and mean, that's this, sort of the moniker of women beyond a certain age. That and we I'll want tell you this to do that.
1: I still people say to me sometimes Oh, aren't you tired of cooking? I said no. I never got tired of cooking. I got tired of running a business. Okay, I get yeah. Tired that's of, exactly right. I got tired of workman's comp, and you get tired of payroll. You know, and you yeah. get tired of yeah. It
0: became a business, so it wasn't the fun passion for exactly. me. It was the creative, it, constant creative thing with writing cookbooks yeah, and coming up with a, a theme. But the speaking, Denise, yes. of cookbooks, the very last person we want I to share uh, with you today. An extraordinary woman by the name of Molly Molly O'Neill. She died last week or two weeks ago now. So shocking. I met Molly. She uh, wrote for the New York Times for years, and she wrote a number of major books. Major. She wrote One Big Table, which was a whole uh, website she started. Before that, she did a book that, if you have a chance to check it out, it's so fun. It's called The New York Cookbook. And she went all over New York City meeting. It didn't matter who you were, you know. Yes. Whether you were famous, whether you were, you knew how to make a certain kind of uh, short rib that she heard about, she'd go interview you, and then she'd write the recipes. And it was just incredible. And when I had my show on ABC... Radio, I interviewed her and I decided to do a dinner party for her at oh, my how house. Fun. We had a great time. And then years later, I was, you know, I was writing. I was just sort of in a, you know, I don't know kind of place. And I thought, look at this. It's called Cook and Scribble. And yes. it was her website and beginning teaching tool where she would put a class together from all over the country. And you would have lessons to do and writing, and then she would respond to you, and then you'd all be on the phone, on the, inter- on the web. This was a little bit earlier. when, you know, Today you'd probably just all be on Skype or whatever. But it was very instructive. But then, for me, I realized that everyone went around and talked about who they were and what their goals were. And everyone in this class had two goals. They wanted to get their own show, radio show, and they wanted to get their first book published. And having already done all of that, I realized that probably, that wasn't probably the right space for me. But I learned a lot during the time that uh, I worked with her. And she she was just a great teacher. I,
1: I, Totally agree. I always wanted to go to one of her upper, up, in Upper New York. She had a home. Yes. And she gave these incredible writing retreats. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think right. at least twice I, 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 know, know. I was writing the check, never got around to it, only because something always intervened. Right. Since she passed away, there were so many people that talked about that she was the writing coach. Yes. That she they picked she picked up the phone and spoke to people how to get your book done and you know I Diane I hope that when I die people say this nice of things about me yeah because when people do email me mine is usually in Cindy and I that's why we started the Facebook page which has got like 5,000 members internationally isn't it Cindy and it's the from the food selling handbook because people ask us questions, how to get in the business, how to get yeah. clients. Yeah, And we try to respond. We try to give them tips. Well, Molly did that her entire career. And very generous. Very generous. So once or twice, when I taught in New York, when I was teaching a food styling class and how to write a cookbook class with Diane Jacobs, Molly, like, put us in her website, and we got a couple of students. And I called her to thank her and just left a message because I couldn't get through and then later on, one of her assistants said, oh, Denise, Molly said that was, it was just tickled pink that, you know, that she had helped you at all. And I kept saying, well, if there's anything I can do for her, you know, please mm-hmm. tell me. But she was extraordinarily generous. She was a ballsy, strong, sassy yep. woman. Yep. And I... She really was. All those things. One of my... A friend that you've known for years in publishing, Beth Wareham... Wrote Mm -hmm. on Facebook after she died, she said, Molly and I talked about starting a business together and we were going to call it Two Big Bitches. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, and I said to her, and well earned. Here was Molly that had quit her full time riding gig, continued to find other ways to write and work and help people. I mean, a continuation of a career. I think that that's the whole meaning to me of this particular show is one of the things that's wonderful about food is most people, I I, I mean... You probably didn't go into it to make a lot of money. <laughs> you
0: you prob- went into it because you were passionate That's about right. it.
1: You didn't go into it to think you were going to get a Food Network show. People like you and I, there weren't even Food Network right. shows in Right, those Now, today. we were
0: still thinking of like the James Beard cooking show from whatever. Exactly. I mean, or, but, or, no, I know who it was, the Galloping Gourmet. That exactly. was, that, yeah.
1: But when I, when I look at Molly and I look at all these, but you look at Molly now, she was writing a book at the end, at the end, she had been ill for several years. Yes. People might not have known this. She yeah. had, I don't want to say because I'm not positive because, but I, I know it involved her. She had a liver disease yeah. that was, and I think she even had a transplant, but she got ill again. Yeah. And she came from a family, I think five or six kids. She was the only girl.
0: Yeah. And wasn't she from a baseball
1: Her family? well, her brother was on the Yankees for a while. So yeah. Just talk about a New York, you know, homegrown girl. Anyway, when she when I read that moment that she passed away and she was only sixty six and I'm 67. It broke my heart because I know she still had so much to give. Oh my God. Other friends of mine that were close to her, to her said that in the end she was pretty uncomfortable, but she was still writing every day. And the title of the
0: book was My Liver, a Love Story. Yeah. I don't know who's going to finish it. Or I know. It be published, I but... don't know any of that. Yeah. But I know this. All
1: of those women, if there's ever women that deserve to have, um, Awards named after them, do you know what I mean? In culinary schools, or if if you think of how many African-American women chefs must have looked at Leah Chase and thought, huh, look at this, you know, I mean, talk about a beacon of light for, for 80 years in the industry and all of them, I just think all of them are legends in their own lifetimes and how lucky. How lucky to have known them. Yeah. How lovely that you gave her a dinner party. Diane, yeah, good it was, for you. It was fun. We I it bet. Book. She, you know? And she was
0: funny and witty yeah. and sharp. Yeah. You know? it was, it's really sad, yeah. the loss. But it's what they left. That's and it's right. also just about how they lived their lives, that they did what they wanted to do. And maybe you want to continue your passion in a different way. Or maybe you are done with that and you want to do something else. I think it's interesting to take a look at different ways people evolve in their lives. Yes. And just so you know, in Molly
1: O'Neill's One Big Table, this is what I tell you. There is a recipe for Leah Chase's famous gumbo.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: So that, if you, this is the book that I had. You know, when I moved, I've mentioned this several times, I donated about 600 cookbooks to... Well, 601 year and 300 the year before to the Los Angeles library, public library. Yeah. If they didn't keep the books, they sell them in their used bookstore and make some money so they can buy, you know, mm-hmm. other books. So I, I had narrowed my cookbook uh, library down. That, so this morning when I was picking out these books to come here, Diane, I really I p- picked the ones that meant the most to me from each of these women. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because yes. They were just, they were incredible authors and cookbook writers, and how lucky. And that's, mm,
0: yeah. Wonderful.
1: I think that's it. What? Oh, Miss Cindy is prompting me to say, please write us. <laughs> we're desperate for messages. <laughs> we're desperate. We're desperate. Womenbeyond at iCloud.com. You can come to our Facebook page. Of course, you can private message us. I get a lot of private messages, and I'll tell you why. Sometimes people don't want to put their feelings on a page, and I understand that, Mm -hmm. okay? But when you do write me a note, either words of appreciation or telling me a story that you had that's touched you from the podcast, I, I share it with Cindy, and I share it with Diane, and it makes me feel good that maybe we're... Yeah. Helping in one tiny little way. Yeah. So that's my story. I second that. All so right. Thank you so much, Miss Diane. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies.
0: Bye. Bye.